0: Wow, there's a lot of S's in there.
1: That is not a lot. Part of there's my a lot of. I'm Amy. Did I? Is that what I did? Did I say the Amy McKee? <laughs> that was an accident. If that's it's what I okay,
0: did. that I, I share a podcast with the snake from Jungle Book. It's. <laughs>
1: Morgan Wallen and I don't know the answer to that. Oh, he's someone who said the n-word, it sounds like.
0: Oh, he's he's a country western star who said the n-word on video and uh now his record sales are going through the roof. What? Yeah, actually, yes. His sponsors had canceled him out, his record label was canceled him out.
1: But the people
0: Yeah, but they're also like Hey, why can't he say the N-word? He was talking to a friend, you know? Uh, <laughs> black, you know, Black people, get, they get to say the N-word all the time, and it's not fair. We should be able to say the N-word, and blah, blah, blah. Just like,
1: <sighs> just shut up. Um, but the other thing that is on This Week in Racism is a study on heart transplants showing Black young adults twice as likely to die in the year following a heart transplant compared to non-Black transplant recipients of the same age. Twice
0: as likely? wow! Yes,
1: twice as likely. This is from the journal Circulation, colon, Heart Failure, uh, and just sort of piles on to all of the other evidence that there's racism in medicine that and implicit bias and...
0: Mm-hmm. No, I was talking to a gentleman. I, I work out with him. He's African American. He was part of the Make a Wish Foundation, and um, he was a Make a Wish Foundation kid, you know. And he's he's an adult now, so I always assumed Make a Wish, you know, it was kids that were dying, and that's not the case.
1: Well, he's alive,
0: uh, right? He's alive. Yeah, and, and he said, you know, I had lupus. I had ah. I, I was I had lupus at a very young age. I said, you know, my mom has lupus, you know, and, you know, because it's a very painful thing to go Mm -hmm. through, right? Yeah. And she had it for a very long time as we were growing up and no one diagnosed it as such. They thought the pain was in her head.
1: Oh, that makes me so furious.
0: We're talking 30 years of people saying that the pain was in her head. And she was, she had lupus, she had fibromyalgia, she had Sjogren's. I mean, all that time, it just goes to show like black people suffering. It's like, I I mean, Mm -hmm. the thing is, is that she has a high pain tolerance. Her arm was broke and she didn't even know she drove after falling down uh, last week and breaking her humerus bone. She drove home thinking nothing was wrong you know um but so, so that's what i'm saying like but that's that's Ooh. i think that's i think that's why you have uh high rates of uh, uh of uh mortality a child uh, what's it called when you you're having a child birth um,
1: mortality we talked right? about that yeah. in my class this week yeah
0: yeah i mean they the, the doctors don't listen to uh, to uh, black voices,
1: right? It's the it's the moms in it. Oh, the
0: moms too, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's insane, man. Uh, I mean, Dexter, same thing. They said he had a sprang uh, when he he uh, he was at uh, selling camp. And they're like, oh, it's a spring, just walk it off,
1: walk it off.
0: Jeez. No, and he li- He he had to walk like a mile and a half. Uh, in you know, uh, assisted, of course. Uh, to get back to the to, to wherever they need to get back to, and uh, he had broken his tibia, tibia, and fibula. They had oh. it had gone. Yeah, he was in a wheelchair for six. Yeah, months
1: that sucks. With
0: rods going through his 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 legs, right? Yeah, it took all day for someone to say, you know what? maybe we should go ahead and let's go ahead and uh, x-ray this thing you know and then they're like oh uh, we got to put you in surgery first thing in the morning like okay really
1: that's I mean, maddening
0: but here's the thing we talk about these things uh you know they have surveys and all this other stuff for this week in racism and what's great is that we actually have a black person here that can tell you <laughs> first, firsthand knowledge <laughs> first-hand <laughs> knowledge of, yeah, that happened, yeah, it's not news, it's like, yeah, it's All right. normal.
1: It's possible we should introduce the show.
0: It's possible that we should introduce the show?
1: Okay, we should introduce the show. <laughs> Welcome to My Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationships that help us grow together. I am Amy McKees.
0: And I'm Don Griffins. <laughs> what are you thinking of? We were, we got off the subject. No, you first.
1: said the nice thing about having you on the show is that I didn't have to talk about this weekend racism because you could just tell us. Not all
0: the time. I'm just teasing.
1: <laughs> okay. I, don't, so I
0: haven't. I have not experienced everything, all the racism out there. I'm shocked on a daily basis too. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> that
1: happened.
0: So. Oh, that did okay, and that's the end of our show.
1: There we go. That's it. Well,
0: Don, I have, Don had nothing.
1: I have something.
0: Oh, what do you got?
1: Um, but it's complicated and messy as our relationships. Okay. And I'm gonna preface this by saying this is something I'm still working on. Like it's something I'm still trying to sort out. Okay. And I think, actually, like, the arc of our show, like, how it's developed and how both of us have changed as we've had these conversations is reflected in this line of thinking for me. I was thinking about the parts of white supremacy, you know, I know that they're baked into me, like, that's why we call this my racist friend. And sometimes I get to where I'm like, yeah, I think I've sort of figured it out. That's Probably not a great place for me to stay for longer than like a split second because I don't have it figured out and I screw up. One thing that happened is I, so Dr. LaShawn Williams, right? She's been on the show. She's the one that talked about getting racism in your teeth. That's one of my favorite.
0: Yeah. She has been on the show. Yeah. And she's visited here in Bloomington
1: and she's visited here and we've tried it. Yeah. Twice, right? And both times we've tried to keep her here, but she leaves.
0: And that's really sad when it's a black person who lives in Utah and you can't get them to move to
1: Bloomington. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. <laughs> oh
0: my god. We offered her candy, cookies, jobs, <laughs> everything, <laughs> housing. You know, because I can do, do that. You can uh, do yeah. that. I can do that. Yeah, no, but uh, can't get her here yet. So
1: yeah, yeah, keep trying. Anyway. We started off working on this um, RCT training like the two of us and it was so energizing and fun like we would have these meetings and Kevin was a part of it like the three of us would meet and we would talk about like what parts of RCT we thought were most important that we wanted to share like how we would share them and like what kind of conversations would help people digest it and put it into action. And like we would hang up from these phone calls and I would be racing for hours because I'd be so excited about what we were doing. And, and she's super busy because she is, she's got lots of really cool things going on. And, and we sort of faded off working on it. It got to where, you know, the energy wasn't quite the same when we were working on it. And I did zero introspection to figure out why. I was just like, oh, I guess it's just not super energetic right now. Both of us are really busy. And we didn't finish it. And it was one of those things that felt so uncomfortable in me that I couldn't look at it because I didn't. I didn't want it to be something that I didn't want to see. So I was not trying to see that as they say, then I had an opportunity to use the beginnings of what we had in a situation. And I did it and it was okay. Like, it's not like it was bad. The stuff with me and LaShawn was great, but it's a two part training is what it ended with. And when LaShawn and I were working on it, it was a 15 part training with like processing in between. And I kept coming back to her and saying, I don't think we can do this many hours. I don't think people will come for it. And eventually it just it just kept shrinking. That, you know, as I look back is where a lot of the energy died. So when I did this training, and afterward I was sitting with it, and I was like, "How can I make this better? How can I make sure that it includes what it needs to include next week so that we get it all done?" So like, you know, <laughs> we end racism once and for all. Not that, but you know, mm-hmm. like, because you know, originally it was gonna be Leshawn doing some discussions. I would sort of be like a support person, but it would be LaShawn helping with some processing conversations as well. (sighs) So anyway, what hit me as I was doing this, and it hit me pretty hard, (laughs) was the amount of white supremacy involved in the idea that people need a short anti-oppression training. Like we have been creating this white supremacist society. Our country's built on it. Like this is what we've been doing for hundreds of years. And could we please get fixed in two hours is a way of being not just super arrogant and dimwitted at the same time. And this is all on me. Like I'm, I'm describing myself here. I, I this is just all me. And that's why I keep bumping around here. Cause I want to make sure that I'm clear. These are things I take full responsibility for, but thinking that we could do it quickly and conveniently that it somehow also has to be fun and appealing. <laughs> like, like for fuck's sake, <laughs> like we owe it to ourselves to do like these really deep dives into this and to work through it and to take a lot of time to do it and to do it as a part of our regular life, not as like a special weekend thing either. I, I know that there's other stuff here, but I want to, it just suddenly became so crystal clear to me the way of trying to make space for this work can white supremacy leaks right into that too. And I feel honestly pretty heartbroken because it was like when we were starting on it, it was really exciting and it felt so good. <laughs> like, it,
0: have, have you talked to her about this?
1: I Yeah, I, uh, I sent her a little message letting her know that I could see my white supremacy in action and that I was well, working on it. Well,
0: but... <laughs> But no, you didn't even, and, you, I don't know if you should have done don't, What I'm asking is, because I think your friendship is, it's a relationship you have that's valuable enough that it's worth getting oh, messy, absolutely. messy with, so I think yeah. you should just ask her, hey, something happened, can we talk about it? What, what well, happened? Okay,
1: except that I could see it, Don. But and maybe think, you.
0: But maybe you can. I mean, maybe you can. But maybe it's something else. I'm just saying, it could. Be it could be up. more that I did. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it it could be, or it could be that it could be that uh, that her mom's sick or something like that, and that she is so worried about that. And are their kids getting bullied? Or, but in a sense, by not giving her a chance to tell you what's wrong, and assuming that you know what's wrong. That's kind of a form of supremacy too.
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. That if I assume that I know what's up with her, that is that.
0: But you now you really Maybe, do, like, now, I don't
1: know. Now, like,
0: you, now you really do have to go talk to her about, the, about how you feel. I
1: have, I have. I have sent a message and we have started messaging. Like we're messaging, okay. right? Okay. I don't want to be like, I'm not. But the first thing I had to do, like before that could happen, I had to be able to see- at least if I couldn't see, I felt like I could, I can, I feel like I can pretty clearly see the racism inherent in some of the things I did and that's good. But even if I couldn't see that, I would at least have to be open to seeing it in order to have these conversations because part of being authentic and having Uh, like a mutually growth fostering relationship is that both people have to be able to fully represent themselves. And I think that when white people do this thing, that's like, hang on, I know exactly what kind of training white people need. Let's make it uh, shorter and sweeter and get it done quickly. I need to be able to see that.
0: I know, but I'm also saying, assuming that you know what you did wrong is also, yes, I You're. You stipulated oh, I, to that. I know, I know. I'm, I, I'm not getting on you. <laughs> I
1: Most know people, you're trying to make me feel better. I don't know <laughs> if I'm trying to, I'm
0: actually not trying to make you feel better either. That's not, I'm not trying to give you an out on it, I, I think. Um, but I think your relationship, the, the fact that you are two grown ass women, you,
1: <laughs>
0: you know, yes, uh, that, yes. that it's good to go ahead and talk this stuff out.
1: You yes. Know. And I feel, I feel confident that at some point we will you'll be, we yeah, will but, you'll
0: be fine. And, um, and can I say another thing about what you're talking about? I think, I think you got to determine who your target market is. When you do create these teachable moments, these teachable things, you have to figure out who your target market. is. Everybody isn't going to be able to sit through 15 minutes. The people who are already in the choir are going to be able to digest the 15 episodes or whatever. If we're talking about uh, baby steps and getting people to trying to push people in the direction of not being such a dumbass or uh, uh, racist or whatever, <laughs> then then maybe that does take two hours. You have to figure out who was your target market for for what, what you guys were creating.
1: Well, okay. You know? And I'm glad that this is what you're bringing up because I spent three days in just a swirl of thoughts. Like I didn't feel like I could think about, anything other than work or this training, like that was it. And there's three parts of what you said that I want to respond to is the baby steps. I'm going to write it down so that I don't go off track the, um, the choir and there's only two. So, um, (laughs) I'm going to do the choir first. Okay. Because I think that relates to the baby steps, the preaching to the choir thing is a little bit harder, I think, because the choir thinks they know. Like, there are lots of people who, for example, would love to be friends with more Black people or aren't racist because they're friends with Don. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
1: You know, I don't think I've been to any kind of anti-racism training where there were people there who thought they were racist or who... I mean I think a lot of times what the choir, the white choir thinks is that they need more tools to fight the white people who aren't like them.
0: You're you're absolutely right, but they might be those are also the people that might be willing to digest the deeper institutional racism that just like you just did today yes Uh, you could do the 15 uh, hour thing in your uu church but i think we do the two hour thing at the southern baptist
1: maybe yeah i yeah okay so they
0: they may not completely digest but you, you understand what i'm saying some ideas are going to be new to them yeah i know what you're saying because the the people who need the 15 hours who really really need the 15 hours are people who who have no clue. Uh, you know what? Damn it. You know what's scary? Uh, but in both instances, it's people who think that things are okay. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's people who think the way that they think is okay. Either yeah. way. And I guess in a sense, that's white supremacy.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: It's baked, it's baked in. No, yeah. no matter if it's uh, if it's a ahoy or it's a gourmet. Uh, A cookie. It's all baked in. The racism is all baked in. Right. That's that's so good.
1: That's so good, Don. Oh my God. It should be a t-shirt. My cookie
0: analogy is awesome. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Kevin says, look at Don with his food analogy. Dr. LaShawn will be proud. Oh my God, that's right.
0: (laughs) I forgot she loves food. We were talking about spinach in the teeth last time. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God, very good.
1: Um, but okay. I'm going to go back to the baby steps just for a minute. Okay.
0: Though. All right.
1: <laughs> okay. Cause we do these, like I've done the baby step thing. He, okay. This is, uh, this is the more complicated piece of what I've been thinking about over the weekend. And I've been thinking about empathy, supported vulnerability the ideas that you might find in some of the tools that are out there that are aimed at unity and bringing us all together and helping us understand each other better. And so this is, I am trying to lay that groundwork before I step into this. Okay. But when you think about empathy and trying to understand people on I'm going to say both sides but that is not because I think that there's a valid side to racism but that's the language that gets used. I say I have uh I have an aunt who is uh maybe they're already liberal and they're already like oh I have a church with a black person in it or <laughs> like I I also have a gay friend and so they're you know hip, they're happy that Trump's out of office. And I want to uh, help get them a little closer to understanding that like daily actions and lives benefiting from white supremacy contribute to ongoing white supremacy. And when I try to talk to her about it, she's like, that hurts my feelings. And so I understand that I need to be a little bit more patient with her and make some room for those feelings. I'm saying that part, like as a therapist, you know, like make room for those feelings so that they can be processed so they can move out of the way so that then we can have even deeper conversations that might get at it. Right. But when I'm choosing to, to really empathize with her struggle, that's energy that is not going to empathize with the struggle of BIPOC people, either. It's going to her. And
0: there's room for everybody. There's room in your heart for everybody, right?
1: There is. But, Don, I'm just.
0: It gets tiring, though, doesn't it?
1: I've been thinking a lot about authenticity and how to bring my full self into conversations about race and I'm, I grow, I keep growing. I hope that I continue to grow, but to be able to say, you know, it's, it's hard for me to confront people. And like, if we go back to our very first episode, when I'm like the racist dude has a good heart. I wonder now, could I be authentic in a conversation with him where I could say, you know, how do you have your house? Like, why do you have a house? And who did it come from? And who did he get his house from? You know, this is someone I know worked hard his whole life. Like, I know he was a hard worker um, and he wasn't well off, but he definitely benefited from being a white dude. And I'm just wondering as I grow how I can be not, I'm not wondering how. I am pushing myself to be more authentic so that when I hear that little voice in my head that says, hey, <laughs> what's happening here is how it's been for so long. And unless you push on it, it will stay this way. And instead of just being a good listener, I'm trying to also be a good talker. <laughs> and I'm trying to say, a little bit more and sometimes that's just the form of questions so it's still listening but
0: I have something that might help maybe maybe what what okay so I've been doing this real estate thing for 28 years right
1: 29 Mm
0: -hmm. going on 29 Mm -hmm. years and I've sold like you know I've sold a lot of houses
1: yeah over that time
0: period right and I've seen a lot of things I've seen a lot of things There was a point in my life, my real estate career, where I was just like, like, man, I am the man. I am the shit. I know everything. I know all. I know more than everybody. I do all, you know, because I know it. I've seen it all. Yeah. In every single neighborhood. I know what kind of neighborhood that is. I know Mm -hmm. that we don't want to go to that neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. During that period of time, I I think I'm going to just say it was a year. Uh, I hope it wasn't five. (laughs) I missed a lot of things because I assumed. I, I thought I knew everything, right? But after doing this for so long, I realized the biggest lesson I have learned, and it's made me a better realtor, is that I go in not knowing anything. I go in always learning. You know, I'm never going to know everything. Mm -hmm. So I want to say this is a lifelong journey. Yes. It's the idea of getting rid of your white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my journey to be more accepting of other people who are who who don't look like me. I've got to do better at that, and I'm gonna constantly learn. Like I still mess up the LGBTQ whatever. I don't know that. I I keep messing it up, and when I think I got it right, you know, it changes a little bit, right? It it just does. Let's be honest. Another out, you know, it does. Yeah. Things are. Uh, Things Shifting, change, yeah. just like African-Americans. Sometimes we're African-Americans, but, you know, but, you know, there's some folks that like to be black and they're excited to be a black because they're not from Africa, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, uh, th- th- we're constantly changing and that is okay. <laughs> I think that's what we have to have in mind, Amy, and I think you can't beat yourself up. We have changed so much on this show.
1: Yeah, Yes, right? we have. We have and
0: changed I, so much and we're going to continue to change.
1: Right. And I want to be clear that I'm not like beating myself up in a uh self-pitying woe is me way. I did that for a few hours on Saturday and then I moved I think mostly through that and into more of an action phase. Yeah. You don't don't beat yourself up cuz it's not useful but constantly be interrogating what you think you know
0: i, I think that's I, yeah that's what i'm saying yes constantly be exactly what you said which is right much sh- shorter than the, the <laughs> example i gave
1: <laughs> and i <laughs> already feel though like i want to go back and be like i already knew most of that stuff like i feel like i want to yell that and i didn't you know i don't know this is a scary episode for me
0: well it, it i i know but it's what we do Yeah. Well, we do, we and we do it for other people because other people are suffering with the same kind of thing. The other other people have uncles and cousins and dads and moms that they are just shaking their head about right now. They're like, "Oh yeah, I know what Amy's going through."
1: I think part of what happens is we get this listening tool. Like people discover listening, and like when we used to do a lot of parenting workshops, the very first homework assignment we would give parents was this week just empathize with your kid. And we would talk about how to do that. But we would say, don't try to do any new parenting tools, just empathize. So when your kid is like, I'm not putting on my shoes, you're like, wow, you really don't want to put on your shoes. And just try that for just a week. Just try- oh, I,
0: oh, I would hate you for that.
1: OK, well, you know what? Those parents <laughs> loved me. And oh they would come gosh. back. And they would be like, oh my gosh. That worked so well, we didn't have morning fights. And for a huge percentage of kids, just that one tool makes a big difference. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think that when we start talking about oppression, we start with that tool because yes, listening is an effective tool. But in the same way that you would hate me for giving you only the tool of listening and empathizing with your kid when he doesn't want to put on his shoes. You also need tools for helping him learn skills to tie his shoes and helping him figure out how to manage his time so he can leave the house in the morning. And not that three year olds can do that. They can't. But
0: we're talking about little kids. I was trying to, th- I was thinking you're talking about like I Imagine like a 15, 16 year old.
1: I don't know. I think it would make a huge difference with a teacher. You think it would work? Yeah. You really I don't, would. No, I don't think it would change things, especially if you've got like a decade and a half of a different pattern. But I do think it would make things better. I, I believe that empathizing and listening makes things better. So if I believe that, sometimes I believe that empathizing and listening is all that we need to make things better. And when we do that, so we've got our racist uncle at the table that we talk about all the time, and we listen and say, wow, I can see that you are really afraid that if um, we don't get rid of affirmative action, they're going to replace you with a black person talking to your uncle, I think probably not going to be extremely nuanced in this. Mm. And that would be like the empathizing, but that's not what I'm trying to say is that the listening and the deep understanding, there has to be learning too.
0: I mean, there's got to be levels. I mean, you can't be like, so you really, after dinner, you really want to go and kill those black people, don't you?
1: Right. (laughs) So what I'm saying is like (laughs) (laughs) unity... (laughs) Everyone come together. Well, maybe, but there has to be some basic learning that happens too, right? (laughs) And 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 mostly, it needs to maybe like we need to find some way at the dinner table to teach everyone how to listen to people of color.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm still stuck on this. I'm still I still want to be the uncle or the person. so you really think this hitler guy <laughs> you really think this hitler guy really had something huh no talk to no. us about
1: it it's hard
0: i mean you know somebody did that somebody was at the dinner table not too long ago and saying so you're going to storm the Capitol? <laughs> you, you, you think this is a good idea uncle buck <laughs> <laughs> i'm just trying to work with you, you on this on oh, this or, empathy
1: I, no, thing i don't
0: i don't think so. just listening
1: <laughs> i don't think i don't think someone did that i think they were like "Fuck you uncle buck i'm not sitting here listening to this and then they left probably oh you think so yeah i don't think i think oh, like by the time they're storming the capitol i think the people okay. in your family probably are worried about the. So you're right. There's Maybe. probably I there's don't know. probably
0: there's probably that one that sat at home and said, you know, God, I'm glad I didn't go. And you know what stopped me?
1: I was gonna storm the. Capitol. I just I was
0: gonna storm the Capitol, and Amy just listened to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Amy was such a good listener that I stayed good. home. I, I stayed home. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you, young lady. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, I miss my friends, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. Oh, my God.
0: I got to go now. What time is it? Oh, I really do have to go. All
1: right. Well, this has been good. You have a good week.
0: You too. Call your friend. Call your friend. Tell her we miss her.
1: Yeah, I will. All All right. right. (laughs) I love love you you
0: guys. (laughs) Bye. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKees LCSW took place in separate locations in Indiana on Thursday, February 11th, 2021, and was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKees. Additional research provided by our BCC interns, Riley Cook and Constance Johnson. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right. We'll come back. I'll come right
1: back. I'll come right back. You doing okay? Yeah, doing okay. All right, I'll be right back.